is another edition of Fantasy Football Picks and Bets on Mayo Media Network, presented by Prize Picks. Hit the description, sign up for Prize Picks, use code MMN4. Mayo Media Network, and get yourself a match deposit up to $100, the best season-long over-under fantasy props. Right now, you can go check out some of the softest of all of the lines, too, if you have a good lean either way. Today, we're breaking down the Dallas Cowboys' individual player projections and talking about season-long fantasy football running back handcuffs and the best strategy to go along with that. We're using the player projections from runthesims.com. If you get in on runthesims.com right now, before August 1st, you get the founding membership rate for life. Your price never going to go up. And if you go to runthesims.com slash mayo, then you'll get an even bigger discount off of that. If you like your own inputs, you don't want someone else telling you what to do, but the easiest way to run simulations and optimizer player projections, runthesims.com is where you want to be right now. Remember to smash the like button for the video and give me your favorite over under for a Dallas Cowboys player on prize picks right now. What do you think the best over or the best under is? Which Cowboys player would you be looking at? Jake Seeley from TheAthletic.com is on the line, who has a brand new show on the Bets TV YouTube channel. Congratulations, Jake. <laughs> Congratulations. Thank you. I do appreciate that. Yeah, all in football. Uh, yeah, it's going to be Mondays, Tuesdays, and Wednesdays. It's going to be Chris Meany on Mondays, Stephanie Smalls on Tuesdays, and Jeff Ratcliffe on Wednesdays. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. With this Wednesday, or depending on when you saw this, it might be too late, but it's the launch show. going to have all three of them together. Uh, I appreciate it, Pat. I'm excited to have my own video show. Of course. it's It's been a long time, Kevin. It's been like, you know, we've been doing the show. We've been doing the Pat Mayo Experience, at least, where we just did the running back rankings for the season. If you just want to stick on Mayo Media Network and go check that out. Plus, I should let you know, rate, review, and subscribe to this show on Apple Podcasts. Five-star rating, something you enjoy about the show, Twitter handle or email, and you folks are in a draw for cash giveaways. It's at 500 bucks right now is the pool, but a few more reviews, just a few more reviews, and I'm up in that pool to $1,000. We get a boatload of more reviews, even more money for me to give away to you. So please go do that right now and subscribe and join prizepicks.com. Use the link in the description or just go to prizepicks.com and use code MMN and get yourself a $100 deposit match. I highly recommend that you go do this, okay? The, the rapper? The rapper, exactly. <laughs> Let's talk Dallas Cowboys. Well, yeah. Is he still I, around? I, 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 he's like 50. <laughs> Anyway, let's talk about Dallas Cowboys players because, I mean, A, it's a popular team and a very popular fantasy team this year. As it pertains to your season-long strategy, even in you know, redraft leagues, not best ball, because we've been talking about best ball a little bit. I don't love best ball. I like head-to-head leagues. That's just what I think the most people play. And I think that best ball is be, has been gotten a little bit overblown because people don't have any content to do in the industry in May, in June even in parts of July. So there's really glomming on to best ball. So I know a lot of new people are getting into it because the draft is the most fun thing you can do, but let's be real here. More people play your head to head season long leagues than anything else. Don't they? Oh yeah. It's, it's still not even close. This is like super flex as much as we want to get super flex is being more common just because quarterbacks are so easy to find. And the position has been devalued even to the point of it was devalued of how the NFL is today, let alone the fact of like everything involved. Um, yeah, we're just trying to get more people involved in these things, but they're still not the majority. They're still even probably not. The, there's probably, I would argue more people still playing non PPR, even two wide receivers of like 
old traditional, and I put that in quotes, versus people that are playing best ball and super flex and stuff like that. It's fun, but it, it's not it feels like we'll put it this way too bad is it feels like the people who do play it's because they play in like 20 best ball leagues because they can be drafted and done it's not like there's 20 people playing one league yes I, I think that's a really good point but the reason i bring this up because one of the biggest strategies in best ball is stacking your team because you want to maximize right. those big weeks and the cowboys along with the chiefs are one of the most popular teams to do this with do you think that is a viable strategy in season-long head-to-head leagues, like if you drafted Dak, you drafted Lamb, and you drafted Cooper, and maybe even grab Gallup towards the end, either Blake Jarwin or Dalton Schultz, whichever one you prefer of those two. Like, do you think that's a viable strategy in your head-to-head season-long league? bringing Backley Barkle over here. So if you switch to me, that's why I was off screen. Um, no, in season, in seasonal, no. I, like, I don't sway it away from it. It's the same as when I talk about two wide receivers from the same team, you know, Amari Cooper and CD lamb, if Amari Cooper is healthy can be very viable for any team. We've seen the Packers do it for years. We've seen just last year, the Vikings, you can have two number one wide receivers from the same team where it's a little different in seasonal is that it's because it's head to head and it's not best ball and it's not best ball replaces a player. If you have a down game, and seasonally you can't. So if you have Dak and Cooper and it's a run heavy game or it's a game they just get blown out and nothing goes right, you're not just hit at one position, you're hit at two. The argument for the upside of it is, well, when they go off, they're going to blow up and you're going to dominate at two positions. And most weeks you're not going to have the down games. It's just that's why I don't have a problem doing it, but I don't actively try to do it. It would have to be the best value. So for the Cowboys, it might be right now, take CeeDee Lamb in the third, and because of Mari Cooper's injury, he falls to the fourth, fifth round, and at that point, Mari Cooper's clearly the best wide receiver on the board, or with the Buccaneers. I take Godwin, and Mike Evans is still sitting there in the fifth round. Then I do it because it's the best player on the board, so that I won't stay away from it, but I don't actively try to do it. Let's talk about the prize pick season-long yardages for those wide receivers. You mentioned this Amari Cooper injury, and it looks like he will not start practicing for the Cowboys until after week two of the preseason, which still puts him on track to play in week one, uh, presuming everything goes right for him. And on prize picks, his receiving total right now is 1,175.5 receiving yards. CeeDee Lamb, meanwhile, is behind him at 1,050.5 receiving yards. Now, Hmm. in season-long drafts, Lamb is going ahead of Cooper. Is this just a very clear situation to play the under on Cooper and the over on Lamb? I think it is. You know, you can, I can push back and immediately say, well, Cooper's only hit that number once, but also we have an extra game. But the one thing is when it's aggressive over-unders, and this one's a little, I want to say it's super aggressive, but it's a little bit aggressive. You're going to find that I preach this. I will push to the under more often than not because it's the NFL. You bake in one missed game for Cooper, maybe two, even before we even talk his injury that he's dealing with right now, just in general with anybody, especially running backs, but all positions, maybe not quarterback because it's very likely a lot of quarterbacks end up playing the full season. And, you know, they don't come out for plays that like Julio Jones being dinged up. He still plays, but he's not playing hundred percent of the game because he's not hundred percent this week, running backs and wide receivers. I'm going to push towards the under often when we're talking about the high end aggressive one. And this one feels aggressive because it's, Again, it's a number he's only hit once in 16 games. You get the extra game, but even so, okay, he averages 80, 90 yards. He's barely getting over the over. So I would take the under for Cooper, and yes, I would hit the over on Lamb because I have Lamb myself hitting the over on that number, 
And there's a scenario, as you mentioned in drafts, where Lamb becomes the number one, similar to Calvin Ridley, taking over as the number one for the Falcons last year. So let's jump over to runthesims.com for a second and play around with these projections to see what we can get right now. So right now, I have Cooper projected at 21% market share, CeeDee Lamb at a 20%, Michael Gallup at 15 Then you have Cedric Wilson at 5%, Sammy Fecco. Fecco. How do I pronounce that? Fecco. Yeah. Fecco. I have him at 4%, Noah Brown at 1%, Malik Turner at 1%. Pretend he's French. Oh, I mean, that's probably a pretty good idea. And Zeke around uh, 12% with Tony Pollard at 6%, soaking some of that up. So do you think that 21 and 20 is a good number for Cooper and a good number for Lamb? I think a solid number. I actually have 19.8 and 19.3. So I have 20 and 19. I'm, I'm one percentage point off from you are than in those. So I think those are pretty good numbers. All right. So let's jump over to see what that actually gives us in terms of receiving numbers over 17 games. As you can see, there's no one here above Terry McLaurin. That would be at 1248. When do we get to a Dallas receiver? Okay. We have Amari Cooper with a 21% market share at 1140. 14.5 yards you can round up and call that an even 1115 so when we go to prize picks and we see 1175 like he would definitely have to overachieve this season in order to get to that number and we think about cd lamb in that same context as we keep going down and try to find cd lamb his at 20 percent market share in a pass heavy offense with dak presuming to be back fully healthy them throwing as much as possible you have 1045 which is right around his 1050 so even that if he misses a game might be a little, might be a little too high but i think i would much well, what do you have dak throwing for i have dak throwing for let's just go that, that's let's... interesting because that's gonna sway the entire team obviously oh of course so i don't want to look at rushing i want to look at yardage yardage for dak prescott i have at 4702 yards okay well there's the difference between ours and i was wondering why because i have a little bit as i mentioned i have one percent lower on both my numbers are slightly ahead of yours in receiving but that's because i have dak throwing for 4900 yards um if that's aggressive, which it is, uh, you know, it is aggressive for Dak Prescott, and that's not even the 400 yards a game he was averaging aggressive. But if he's more towards your number, and then you even tick off 1% for both down to my projections, now they're they're both way under now. Not yeah. way under, but you know, percentage-wise. So, so, and that really depends on how you feel about Michael Gallup as well. So if Gallup is a bigger part of right. this offense, then maybe that a lot of people are giving him credit for. And then like ADP right now, Gallup has been one of the biggest risers since the beginning of the season in high stakes leagues and regular head-to-head -head drafts. Hell, even in best ball, we're seeing him go up because everyone wants a part of this Dallas offense. So I think this really comes down to, if we jump back over to the projections, is I have them running almost 1,100 plays, but it's the rush rate that I think that is the big difference between you and I. I had them at a 44% rushing rate. Now, I can amend. So what do you have them at? 42.3. 42.3. So let's just call it 42% uh, for the Dallas rush rate, and I'll save that and see what that does to Dak Prescott's overall numbers. And this is how you can utilize you to, to that's why I say, as a part of Run the Sims, like what is going on here? Now, all of a sudden, Dak is up to 4870 in terms of yardage. <laughs> which is pretty close. Which is, pretty, which is pretty close. And so now if we just go to Cooper, that's Cooper Cup. Now we go to Amare Cooper. He's up to 1154 in terms of yardage. And CeeDee Lamb is over his prize picks over under projection. He's at 1082 
which is higher than his 1050, and Cooper's yeah. a lot closer. But that's presuming 17 games, a lower rush rate than I was actually expecting to begin with, uh, because some of that rushing right. rate is Dak Prescott baked into it as well, that he's going to take off X amount of times. And, you know, he's not Lamar, he's not Kyler Murray, but he still runs more than Matt Ryan or Tom Brady. So that will affect the rushing rate just a little bit. Do you think that the defense is any better this year? No, uh, you know, it's funny as I have a, one of my closest friends is a Cowboys fan. It's like, oh, yeah, we got the pieces we could we could. There's so many ifs you had. I mean, granted, if you looked at it on paper, you're like, oh, remember Keanu Neal when he was great. Remember? Um, oh, crap. I just got the other one. I was just about to say his name. And when anyway, if you look at their secondary, it's like if healthy and if he was this when healthy and if this guy is this and if this one is this and if this one replaces van Reich and all this type of stuff there's so many ifs if you told me they got to middle of the pack this year and they were just a middle of the road defense i'd say conceivable i still think it's a bottom 10 defense which is why i have the offense passing more than you do and why i could definitely see that um but to also go back to even when you're talking about the share is what if you bring up Michael Gallup? What if this is the Panthers? And people might say, well, the Panthers, they all finished very close. But there was one clear leader. This Robbie Anderson clearly led it, but DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel were super close. So what if it's Cooper clearly in the lead and CeeDee Lamb are even? Or CeeDee Lamb clearly in the lead and Cooper falls back and Gallup and Cooper are even? I say that to say is those top two are probably better under bets and Gallup might be the better over. Do we have an over bet on Michael Gallup? There is no number posted on prize picks for Michael Gallup receiving yards this okay. year, but I can tell you just by the projections that we just did, and I'll put in Michael Gallup. We have Michael Gallup at 54 receptions on 94 targets. It's a very low catch rate for him, but with an elevated a dot programmed into the system, that would still put him over 800 yards and five touchdowns for the year. And I bet are pretty similar. I bet that the over under would not be 800. I bet you would be like seven 15 or something like that. So I think the way that I would play it, once I see what the Gallup number is, is under Cooper, under lamb over Gallup would be my sort of lean on the situation. Yeah. I think that's a good way of looking at it too. So yeah, my initial reaction to start this off was under Cooper over lamb, but I might lean under, under unless, you know, but the, the thing is the numbers will probably change. If this happens, I was going to say, if Cooper is still, you know, not playing in week two of the preseason, week three of the preseason, then, you know, okay, now obviously he was the under the entire time, but now maybe lamb is ready to take that Ridley like step forward. Uh, but again, those numbers would probably move. They'll probably move the lines by that point. If that happens, they'd be smart too. All right, well, let's take a look at Ezekiel Elliott because uh, Tony Pollard doesn't have an over-under on his rushing prop right now. But the fantasy prop on prizepicks.com for Ezekiel Elliott is 1,100 on the dot, 0. Yeah. 0.5. That seems like a Smash pretty... the over. You see, oh, really? I was going to say that seems like a really fair number to me. I have him for over 1,200 yards. Smash. Smash, smash, smash. The the issue, like I, I think I have him over. Let's see here. Let's uh, go to the builder, Ezekiel Elliott, twelve hundred and forty yards. That's even with the reduced rushing rate. And if we go look at the inputs by the team, I have him at a sixty percent market share of the rushes with Pollard at twenty and Dak at sixteen. That might even be high on Dak at the moment. We discussed on the running back ranking show on the Pat Mayo Experience. I have Zeke as my number four overall player my number four overall running back uh, I think that he's going to have a great year the issue is with season-long 
fantasy props like this is if he misses one game, is he now right on that number? No, because 1,200 yards over 16 games would be 75 yards a game to do the quick math. I mean, that's that's still conceivable. I think we'd have to start talking about two, three games before I got concerned. What was the what was his number again? Because we're talking 1,200 yards. That's 1,200. That's to easily surpass what the over-under was. the exact over-under. We go back to it. Uh, 1,100.5 on prize picks. So 1,100, 1,100 for 15 games is just over 70 yards a game. It's like 72, 73. And that's now, now that's missing two games. So I'd still, I feel pretty comfortable, but I think you'd have to, if you like the under on Zeke, again, I talked about at the beginning of this, I'm going to take a lot of unders when they're aggressive lines. I don't feel like this one's that aggressive for Zeke. Um, it's just multiple factors. Zeke would have to miss two or three games and Zeke would have to be, not what he was last year. And we talked about it on that show you referenced. And I brought up the fact that he was banged up for a lot of the second half of the year. And even with poor quarterback play, the two weeks where he was quote unquote, hundred percent healthy, because I say quote unquote, because he just wasn't on the injury report. He ran for over hundred yards. I'm just asking him to get 70 a game over 15 games to hit this number a little bit under it, but you get what I'm saying. So those are the the prize picks over under for the skill position players and the projections for the Dallas Cowboys. Once again, prizepicks.com, code MMN, or just use the link down in the description to get a $100 match on your first deposit. The main thing that I wanted to talk to you about, too, and this was really in reference to Tony Pollard, is handcuff rankings. When we talk about handcuffs in season-long fantasy football, some people are totally for them, some people are totally against them. I, myself, am for rostering handcuffs on your team, but I'm never in favor of rostering my own handcuffs because I don't think that's the way that you should play it. You should be trying to maximize the upside of your team. So if I draft Ezekiel Elliott, you will not catch me drafting Tony Pollard. I'll draft Latavius Murray or Alexander Madison or someone else to try to capitalize on someone else having injury problems and then me having substantial upside, which will only make my team better. I'm shooting to have the best overall team, not a push or slightly worse team if something happens to one of my guys. Something happens to one of my first round picks, chances are not going to win. So I'd like to be able to maximize the best possible season for myself. That's why I think that having other people's handcuffs is the way to go. But if we were to rank the handcuffs this season, like who, mm-hmm. who are the guys that we know playing behind the mainstay bell cow running back that are for sure going to have this gig when it comes down to it? Like, can you count them on one hand or do we have a larger sample? Cause there are some guys in split backfields who would just inherit the entire role. Someone like, I don't know how the Arizona backfield would shake out if Chase Edmonds went down, but I would have to think that James Conner is going to get a pretty James Conner is going to get a pretty hefty share of that backfield anyway. But if Edmonds didn't exist, I'd have to think you'd see an uptick for James Conner. Well, I would actually flip those. I would say Edmonds to Conner, but that's a completely different conversation for a different day. So I would say one of the Arizona guys, Tony Pollard. Uh, I'm trying to think, go through teams here to stay this. I would say Jamal Williams, a swift gets hurt because Jamal Williams is already such a factor to begin with. I want to say Alexander Madison, but we just saw what happened with that last year. And he kind of fell on his face. A lot of people were disappointed with him. We know Latavius Murray. We know if Ronald Jones or Leonard Fournette were to get hurt, there's ceiling for them, even with Gio in that mix. I think. Chuba Hubbard is the assumption, and I, I'm on that assumption that if something happens to Christian McCaffrey, you look at that backfield, and it's just Hubbard, especially on his talent. We could say Josh Jacobs and Kenyon Drake. If one of those gets hurt, Kenyon Drake, obviously the backup. Kareem Hunt, and but again, Kareem Hunt's being drafted significantly higher than what you would consider a handcuff, but I'm just throwing out all these situations. ETN and James Robinson. 
Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon. So I think you could get up to probably t- you d- you need a second hand. Uh, Daryl Williams behind Edwards Alaire, and and maybe Damian Williams might be it. Maybe Damian Williams behind David Montgomery, depending on the health of Tariq Cohen. Yeah, I could see that one okay. as well. So I don't want to rehash much of what we talked about on the running back show. You can go tune into that up on Mayo Media Network or on the Pat Mayo Oh, AJ Dillon. Uh, and that was the one I wanted to hit on. But Trey Sermon would be like sort of the obvious one. But like we spoke about that even if Mostert goes down, because that's going to be a split backfield anyway. It's not like he just grabs the reins and he's the guy. It's still a split backfield with guys that they're going right. to sign off like the practice squad all of a sudden. <laughs> it's just less split. Oh, your boy, Gus Bus. We forgot about Gus Bus. <laughs> um yeah, there you go. But yeah, Sermon would be the lead, and he would be more if something happened to Mostert. Or hell, Mostert would probably see an increase in his touches if something happened to Sermon, because Sermon's going to be involved. Uh, but to speak on the Sermon situation, you know, let's say week one, everybody's healthy right now. Wayne Gallman, Trey Sermon, Rohi Mostert, Elijah Mitchell, if he's even uh, <laughs> if he's even active because of how many running backs they have, and Juszczyk as that fullback slash option. Um what would you say for Sermon? 30, 35% of the touches. So Mostert goes down. He would jump to probably 50, 55, which is what Mostert would be at. He's not going to jump to 70. He's not going to be in that range of there's only about 10 running backs that usually get in that conversation anyway. And there's usually only one or two that even get over the 80% threshold. Um, so yes, that, I think bringing up Sermon for that fact is why we talked about it on that show is that Sermon in his own right is a little bit overdrafted right now. If, let's say, Najee Harris gets hurt week one, is there any Pittsburgh running back you would feel comfortable with? No, no. Benny Snell is replacement level, in my opinion. McFarlane brings a little bit more burst, but McFarlane's not a bell cow running back. I think it'd be split between the two of them. They still, I would thought Jalen Samuels was going to be gone, but he's still hanging around. Uh, He might not be if everybody's healthy, but... Yeah, I, I think there's backfields like that. Like, go back to, we talked about on that show as well, is the Saquon Barkley with Devontae Booker. Yeah, okay, sure, Devontae Booker looks to be the guy, but we've seen Devontae Booker before. I still think you'd see other options involved. Uh, the kid that they drafted at Arizona, whose name just escaped my mind as I was about to say it again, and another brain farts today. I'm in a couple brain farts. Um, but I just think there's certain backfields where even Chuba Hubbard is not on McCaffrey's level. You're not expecting a top 10 running back, but similar to Mike Davis, the volume helps the appeal there. If you put Chuba Hubbard behind Saquon Barkley with the other options that the Giants have, he doesn't step into that same volume role. So some backfields like the Steelers, you just, you don't, not say you don't care, but you kind of don't care. You're thinking of Gary Brightwell on your New York. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I, I do think it would actually be Booker. He would get sort of the Wayne Gallman shot at it first. Like if Mossert and Barkley went down week one and you had to give me a preference of like, who do you want for the rest of the year? Do you want Sermon or do you want Booker? I'd probably gamble on Booker that maybe he can just hold this job. And then he turns into Mike Davis from last year, someone who is not great, but very useful for your fantasy team. Now nah, I would take Sermon on talent and offense. And part of the offense being because Kyle Shanahan, the Midas touch of running back, whisperers or whatever you want to throw on top of him is any any positive thing you can spin for Shanahan I would take that I would take situation offensive line offense coach I would take all those things and talent I still think Sermon's a better running back than Devontae Booker is oh talent wise I completely agree with you I'm just thinking about where does the most volume come in and then you can say oh well Sermon just might be more efficient but at the same time he could get usurped at the goal line by a returning Jeff Wilson once he's healthy if Trey Lance is playing he could rush in touchdowns I just I mean Daniel Jones you can make that kind of case for too that maybe he calls (laughs) his own number but 
Gallman was pretty good, fantasy-wise at least, like every other week. Like, he's not someone you relied on, <laughs> but he's someone that you could play. <laughs> he was. It wasn't. It actually was better than every other week. It's just, it was a very low ceiling, and that's why I'm, I'm going for Sermon over Booker. It's just, again, it's playing on the Giants' offense, and, you know, it's Booker versus Sermon. I, I see your conversation and what you're having here, um, and I'm not saying it's definitively if it both happened in week one that I would, I probably wouldn't take a bet against you just because I see scenarios where both could go either way. I would just go for the higher ceiling. So if I'm talking handcuffs and handcuffs only, and I'm not going to throw Sermon into that mix. I think Sermon has a chance to win this job and become the lead back and just play better throughout the course of the first five weeks of the season. And then all of a sudden he just flips roles with Raheem Mostert. I think that's a completely that's in the range of outcomes and one that's not a super low percentage that could most definitely happen. So he's not quite on like a handcuffed here for me. If you draft Trey Sermon, you're drafting him that he's going to be really good. And the talent is just going to win out on that team. When I talk about handcuffs in my rankings, top five, at least of who we consider like quote unquote handcuffs, Latavius Murray, Gus Edwards, Kenyon Drake, AJ Dillon and Tony Pollard. Those would be my top five guys who, if something happened to the other guy, I can see them playing over 70% of the snaps. I, I know. Do you want to only do five? No, we can do more, but I think those are the top five. I, I, the AJ Dillon one, whew, because of the passing game, I'm, I don't like the team, but if something happened to DeAndre Swift, Jamal Williams is going to touch the ball 20 times a game, and he's involved in the passing game more than A.J. Dillon would be. That's why that's the only one I'm just kind of uh, – because I, I think Kylan Hill might step up if something were to happen to uh, Aaron Jones just because A.J. Dillon's kind of a lesser version of Derrick Henry, and he's very similar in style and deficiencies, which are in the passing game. I just don't trust Detroit at all, and – their, their uh, that's, that's fair in the decisions that they're going to make so something like we're worried about swift because we think that jamal williams is going to play a factor regardless of who's healthy and who's not anthony lynn but yeah and you got anthony lynn so if we just start using like jamar jefferson out of nowhere for no reason like oh super this happened now i just would i would feel confident <laughs> with those five guys All that right, i mentioned with, with those five guys that i mentioned that I feel confident that they're the guys. And those are the sort of guys that I want to target as handcuffs. I don't want to stash a guy on my bench who might not even be the starter well, if the starter goes down. Well, then I'm still going to kick him out because did you say James Robinson? I didn't say James Robinson. I would have James Robinson slightly back on that. Back as in in the top five or behind? Behind Tony Pollard. Oh, no, I would have James Robinson. He'd be top two for me. If something happens to ETN, James Robinson is James Robinson in 2020, which is amazing. Okay. I mean, I can buy that case. I had him more on a tier with Melvin Gordon and Alexander Madison and Jamal Williams. No, because I would, I would definitively put him with like Latavius Murray. We, we actually had that conversation on the show, but I think he's Latavius Murray with more standalone value and the fact that you don't want to use Murray with Kamara healthy, and but the upside is enormous if something happens to Kamara. I think you can use James Robinson, and then if something happens to ETN, James Robinson just kicks right back to 2020 volume. It's David Montgomery argument. Like, who else are the Jaguars really going to turn to? And I know Urban Meyer, we don't know what he's going to do, but let's be real about what his options are in that backfield. And James Robinson is definitively worlds better than anything else that's out there except for ETN. So I'm just trying to think of some of the other teams. Are we confident that ex Xavier Jones is the backup to <laughs> Daryl Henderson before they bring someone else in? I I say 
I would how what's the confidence level? I'll give you a number on that because the confident I would say no, but I would say if you gave me odds, I'd say six out of ten, which isn't super confident that he's even the. I don't know that it's not Clay. People were all over Clayus two months ago, and then even a few weeks ago, they're like, "Oh, Clayus could be a thing." Um, even be like Daryl Henderson. If Daryl Henderson couldn't be healthy, then Calais could be a thing. And then the report from the Athletic it mentioned Xavier Jones, and Xavier Jones is a talented running back, but there's no guarantee he's the next man up. We've been trying to play this guessing game. This is similar to the Steelers. Like, there's no guarantee. There was people who thought McFarland was significantly better. I thought he is better than Benny Snell, but thought the gap was pretty large, and we saw how that worked out last year. So I, I just think this is kind of we're trying to find who the option is, but I don't think there's any guarantee behind Daryl Henderson. And I think, uh, I I think that's what the handcuff strategy really boils down to is like, are you confident that this guy is the new starting running back on this team? If someone else goes down, if you're not confident in that do not draft that player. No. And you know, I know we're not bringing them up because you don't really want any of them as you've mentioned before, but another situation that's not guaranteed. Like if something happened to Zach Moss, Matt Breed is there now. And he's healthy right now. Like, there's no guarantee. And I only bring this up for your point that you're making right now. There's no guarantee that Singletary is the guy. And Singletary's not even really built for that. No. And, like, I look at Cincinnati. Like, if Joe Mixon goes down, who we do figure to be a, a bell cow, is it Samaj P. Evans, Ryan? P. Yeah, Ryan? he's a Captain America, Chris Evans. I have no <laughs> idea. I, I, I think it would be a little bit more Chris Evans. Uh, but... You're, I don't know for sure, not 100%. So I think this is where paying attention, and we'll continue to cover this stuff on this show as the course of August runs itself out, that the actual beat reports, the injury reports, can dictate a lot when it comes to this front about how you should approach. And you might say handcuffs are stupid. I'd rather take a receiver who could bust out or a backup quarterback or a backup tight end that I'm high on, and I'm not going to argue against that. I've just found that this strategy... When I've won leagues, this is normally the strategy that breaks my way. And then all of a sudden I am just cruising past everyone else. Yeah. And you, we are on the same page. A lot of that time is I always talk about building running back depth and my pushback for the handcuff thing is best case scenario. You still end up with one running back. You get somebody else's running back back up and their guy gets hurt. Now you have two again. I understand why you want to get your own because you don't want to end up with a zero. That's the downside. If you don't get your own, you end up with a zero. But you're playing to win. As you always say, Pat, you're playing for first place. I'm not playing to finish fourth. I'm playing to potentially get two, not a net one. Yeah, you're playing a zero-sum game with yourself. In fact, it might even be a negative because if, you know, let's say Chuba Hubbard is the guy and let's pretend like we know that behind Christian McCaffrey, it'll be a lot like the Mike Davis situation from last year. Like, oh, I lost McCaffrey and now I have to start Mike Davis. That's not the same thing. You're not really coming out <laughs> ahead in that situation. In fact, your team is still now negative EV. Yeah, yeah you're, you're still in the negatives. Not as negative if you just had Christian McCaffrey gone and you lost and you had no one to replace him with. But the way that I would look at it is that it's not a zero sum game. If you have someone else's running back, cause then you leave them in that position where they lose McCaffrey, you have Chuba Hubbard and all of a sudden they have no one to replace them with. And you just have an extra asset. You can trade. If you're weak at receiver, you can use that as a trade asset. If you're down at running back already, now you have an upgrade at that spot. Now your team has not only gotten better. Someone else's team has gotten significantly worse at the same time. And that's just a huge advantage in fantasy football. Yep, and that's the key right there. That's what you're trying to do. You're basically coming out with two advantages versus maybe not even an advantage at all. That will do it on Fantasy Football Picks and Bets on Mayo Media Network. Become, sign up right now at prizepicks.co. 
prizepicks.com, code MMN, and find some of those over-under fantasy props of your liking as we go through the season. Of course, they're going to have them in season for every single game and all of the players that you want. And the best way to do that is to match their season-long over under fantasy props with the run the sims inputs that you put in when you become a member at runthesims.com slash mayo for a discount or help out jake runthesims.com slash ranks at checkout and then all of a sudden you get a discount off and if you do it before august 1st you get that lifetime membership at that rate so i highly encourage you to go to runthesims.com right now check out everything it's free till august 1st but you want to get that membership in before then to lock in that rate remember to smash the like button for the episode enter the giveaway and subscribe to mayo media network thank you all for watching if you missed monday's show with cuss and the jets projections if you want to laugh you might want to go check that out <laughs> i'll see you next time